Uh, And if you would, I'm going to read a passage out of Romans chapter 6, starting verse 16 here in a moment. Again, Romans chapter 6, verse 16, if you want to follow along. But I want to read to you a mission statement that was written in 1636 by a uh, a college uh, slash university. Uh, And I just want you to listen to the words. They're a little archaic, but just go ahead and listen to the words that this mission statement says about this school. It says, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider, well, the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, John 17, 3. And therefore, to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. And seeing the Lord only giveth wisdom, let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek it of him, Proverbs 2, And three, and then it concludes by saying, everyone shall so exercise himself in reading the scriptures twice a day that he shall be ready to give such an account of his proficiency therein. Well, if I were to ask you what college, what university that's still around today uh, was this from? Again, this was written in 1636. And the answer would be Harvard. Harvard. Uh, This was the first institution of higher education in the colonies. You know, again, that came 150 years before we became a country. But basically, Harvard University, Harvard College, when it was instituted, when it began, was a school for preachers. It was a school to teach uh, men to go out and preach. And the same thing for all of these other Ivy League schools. Uh, William and Mary, Yale, Princeton, Dartmouth, they all began as these schools to train up preachers. But sadly... Uh, if you were to go on Harvard's campus today, right, there would be nothing further from the truth. There, there was actually an article that came out past, this past August that was talking about how the new uh, chief chaplain at Harvard uh, University was an atheist. Right? A person who was in charge of the spiritual care, uh, the, the count, spiritual counseling of the school was a person who did not even believe in God. Right? John Harvard would not recognize this school today that he founded so long ago. And so we ask ourselves, you know, is there any hope of ever restoring the actual purpose of this school? And I want to focus in on that word restore, restoration. Right? This is a key concept within the scriptures. Uh, a basic definition of restoration, the action of returning something to a former owner, place or condition. And if you're a car guy or a car woman, I guess, you understand that, right? If you got a 1965 Ford Mustang, you need 1965 Ford Mustang parts to restore it to the original condition. If you're going to bake grandma's bread from her recipe that she wrote so long ago, you know, you've got to follow that recipe from beginning to end. You know, you can't add an extra pinch of this or an extra pinch of that because uh, you think it might taste better. But if you're going to restore uh, that bread recipe to its original uh, uh, instructions, you've got to go by it from the beginning. Right? And the same thing in religion. Right? Restoration is vital. You know, that's our plea as New Testament Christians that we go back to the Bible, that, that we go to the scripture alone. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, after the church was established, you know, the, the Christians, uh, they were conducting a prayer and, and the Lord's Supper, and they were following in the apostles' doctrine. But notice in Romans chapter 6, uh, verse 16 through 18, notice what Paul writes here. He says, Do you not know 
that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Paul's reminding those in Rome that they had been freed from sin due to the fact that they had been obedient to this certain form uh, or pattern of teaching. Right? There was a teaching that they were given and they followed it. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, that uh, he told the Corinthians, don't go beyond uh, what is written. Right? Don't go beyond that pattern. But again, time and time again, we see within Scripture of God's people uh, falling away from that pattern. Uh, we've seen that from the time of Jesus on until today of, God, of, of people falling away from God's pattern. And some realize it and they change their mind, they repent and they go back to God's way. But some, many don't as well. The point of this uh, introduction I guess, to restoration tonight is that in March, I plan to do a a series of lessons at some point in March uh, on restoration. I want to look at a lot of uh, the biblical accounts in the Old Testament and New Testament uh, about God's people who restored that pattern. Uh, Remember, they they, they fell away from it, and so they restored it, and there's many different ones. And I also want us to focus in on uh, how we today need to be diligent so that we don't stray away from that. Right? Because we live in a society today that says, you know, newer is better. But I'm reminded of what Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah 6, verse 16. He says, thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But unfortunately, the people said, we will not walk in it. Right? Seek the ancient path. Seek that, that, that old Jerusalem gospel. Uh, for, for restoration, true restoration to take place, you know, we, we've got to give up uh, you know, man-made teachings. We have to give up opinions, and we simply have to follow Scripture, the Bible. And that includes the plan of salvation right? in the New Testament. To become a Christian, uh, we're, we're told that, that we need to hear the Word of God, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, repent of our sin, uh, confess Jesus as Lord, and be baptized for uh, the remission of our sins. And at that point, the Lord will add you to his church and you become a Christian. You're now in Christ. And, and we have all uh, of the availability to those spiritual blessings in Christ. And this evening, as we offer the invitation, if you have not been baptized into Christ, maybe this is the night. There's no better night than tonight to do that, to become a Christian, uh, to restore uh, that, that pattern, again, that pattern that we see in the book of Acts time and time again of individuals becoming Christians by hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized. Won't you come now as together we stand and sing this song of invitation?